No brothers. Damn. Dang. All right. Well, a couple of service, um, service announcements. One, I want to be praying for Alan. He went to Germany. Uh, he had an uncle pass away, and to support his mother and his family, uh, he wanted to uh, go out there and be with them, which I wholeheartedly encourage. And, uh, but at the same time, Edwin and Adam did a great job. Amen. So, amen. Very grateful for that. Also, I know with all the rain out back outside, uh, we have a car. Uh, it's a reddish Cadillac, pretty new, kind of uh, like a station wagon type style. Your back windshield, oh, it's yours? Is it yours right there? Is it hers? Cadillac, really? Oh, it's not yours? All right. It's a Cadillac, a new Cadillac. Your windshield wipers in the back are still going. I want to know who has a Cadillac in this room. Man. Uh, no one's going to get up now. Amen. So there we go. I'm watching. All right. So, um, you know, uh, here coming up soon, uh, I appreciate, uh, I know a number of us, uh, not only in the Northwest, but in the church, went down to Baton Rouge and served uh, in the, um, what do you call it, um, gutting, uh, helping the families. Uh, with the flooding. Literally, they had like, I think it was 36 inches of rain that hit a small area and totally uh, devastated uh, a part of Baton Rouge. And uh, Hope Worldwide went down there and served in a great way. Uh, Actually, we're having a big Hope meeting uh, coming up October 8th, the day before our Hope Worldwide giving. So Edwin, you don't have to announce it now. Uh, but we, if you want to know more about Hope, get involved in Hope, uh, support and participate, uh, just in order to come out and find out what's going on. We're going to have a meeting on Saturday. Uh, more information uh, there on our website, certainly in the broadcast. Um, and I'd uh, love for you guys to be able to come. And it's going to be in Flower Mound. So uh, it'll be in our, our uh, area. Um, they asked me, uh, actually, I've been asked to do two lessons, uh, one at Hope. And one for our MTA. Now, if, if you want to know more about spiritual formation, basically how Christ is formed in you, uh, we're doing this, what we call Minister Training Academy. And uh, we're having the next class here in Dallas, uh, in Farmer's Branch. And basically, it's a two-day um, set of classes. Uh, we're having Ben Barnett, one of the evangelists in the Atlanta church, come out. Uh, Dave Hooper, uh, Pacta, Tolliver, uh, uh, Ferguson's going to do class. I'm going to do a class. It's going to be basically Friday and Saturday. You can go and get online and register. It's going to be a great opportunity to learn about literally how Christ is formed in us. And they gave me um, the primo spot uh, Saturday at like 4 o'clock. Um, <laughs> it's the last class to bring it all together. And uh, I'm not sure who will be there or if they'll be awake, but uh, I'm doing one on add to your faith, mutual affection and love, and for hope a heart to serve. And, and I've been really thinking about it, and, and, you know, I've been doing Jesus so much, literally over the last couple of years, I've been focusing on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And every once in a while, I've got to get back to the Old Testament. And so I've been thinking about this. What, what am I going to teach? What do I want to preach about? How can I help uh, both hope and, and this uh, MTA and spiritual formation? And, you know, there's a story in the Old Testament 
It's named after a young woman, but in some ways it could be named for her mother-in-law. And I believe this story really typifies the heart of love, the heart of spiritual formation. And so I wanted to preach it at least the next two weeks. And that's the story of Ruth. Now I say Ruth, but literally the story could be about Naomi, at least the first part of the book and the last word in the book. Naomi, her mother-in-law. And I want to open up, let's open our Bibles up to Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. And I want to ask a question. Now, you know, we live now in the, what, 21st century and you know, things are a lot different now, and, you know, some people might not think they're as different as they were, but, you know, if we want to compare ourselves between now and maybe 3,000 years ago, things have changed a lot. And it was definitely a patriarchal society, uh, what I would classify kind of as a male-oriented society. Everything literally, um, you know, went through men, um, your livelihood, your security, um, your husband, your sons, um, certainly your father or brothers, uh, they kind of oversaw, they took care of everything in the family structure. And then it goes into Rome, it's very similar in the Roman society. But let me ask you a question, what happens to a woman or women when everything is taken away from them? In a society that doesn't have social security, welfare, doesn't have Medicaid or Medicare, doesn't have structures to be able to help. You just have yourself. And that's the story of Ruth. So let's pick it up here in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to surjoin, which means travel, to the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Emelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahalon and Shion. They were, good Lord, I said this one ten times, Ephrites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Emelech, the husband of Naomi, died and was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Oprah, Oprah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years. Both Malon and Shion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So we have a crisis. We have a problem here. And, and the first part of this book is all about the crisis. You look at these names, and I love sometimes, you know, when in the Hebrew, and, and you, you kind of get an idea of the problem here. And you have Abimelech, his name, when you translate it into English, means, my God is king. Naomi is fair or pleasant. Mahatlan, to be sick. Shylon, frailty, mortality. These are ominous names pointing to an intensification of the crisis that's about to strike Naomi. 
And to top it all off, they live in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is translated in English into the house of bread. So the house of bread has no bread because there's a famine. So God is king, pleasant to be sick and frailty. Leave the house of bread and go to another land. And where do they pick? Moab. Moab. The Moabites, the contemptible people that were began with Abraham's nephew Lot and having sex with his daughter. The Moabites who resisted the passage of the Israelites coming out of Israel. The Moabite women after Balaam's advice to Balak to seduce Israel men. Israel's constitutional exclusion of Moab from the assembly of the Lord. And then literally recently in the time of the judges, one of their kings, Eglon, oppressing the people of Israel. So they picked this neighbor town. And it'd be like us going to, like, Waco. <laughs> no, better yet, Atlanta. I just wanted to go to Atlanta. So I'm messing with those Atlantans. So my king, my king dies. You know, it's hard when my king dies. He's the leader. He's the husband, the father, the patriarch, the leader, the supporter. But then you still have to be sick and mortality with you. So be sick and frailty take Moabite wives. And they live for about 10 years, and sure enough, if you're sick and you're frail, you die. And they left their two wives with their mother in a society that's governed by men. No support, no encouragement, no help. You know, her loss and her emptiness is literally stressed by the general statement you see in verse 5. The woman was left alone without her two boys and without her husband. You know, the writer here, the, the narrator of, of Ruth, it's just, you know, he's talking about these people and their names, and, he's, and he gets just to a point, he goes, this, this woman was left alone all by herself. She had nothing. She had nothing. Everything was taken from her. And so what will happen to a woman in a patriarchal society when all of the men in her family have died? You know, I can sit there and talk about our struggles, our stresses, our crisis, and all of us are going through something. All of us have something, have some crisis. But we're reading about Ruth. But actually, we're reading about Naomi. So we pick it up in verse 6 in chapter 1. Then she arose with her daughter, in, daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab 
For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So the house of bread, which had no bread, now has bread. So Naomi and her daughter-in-laws respond to this intense crisis they now face, and literally a present without men and a future without hope. This is just the first five verses. And so you start getting an idea of what's going on here. And again, I, I've had fun sometimes. You know, we can, have, we can have fun. We can take the mic and we can just go around and, okay, what's your crisis? What's your crisis? What are you going through? How are you feeling? What's going on in your life, your family's life, or your friend's life? Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's spiritual. I don't know. But the older we get, the crises will intensify. So Ruth now, chapter 1, verse 7. Let's continue. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt kindly with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I were, therefore, if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. You know, I didn't talk about the, the title of this lesson. And it's kind of a tricky lesson, so I'm not talking to Hope, I'm talking to you. And if I was talking to Hope, I wouldn't have this title, but because I'm talking to you, I'm going to use this title. And the title is, Decisions Determine Destinies. Decisions Determine destinies. And the reason I'm not going to use it for hope is because you can sit there and say, oh, are you saying that because someone is in a crisis, they've made a decision, they're poor, and they made a decision, that's why they're poor? Well, no, not necessarily. But sometimes, yes. But not always. But in this room here, understanding the book of Ruth, decisions determines destinies. So I think there's a maturity in understanding is that we've got to understand is that the decisions we make literally will have an impact down the road. So we have Oprah. Oprah decided to leave. 
Oprah decided to return to her people. But you see Oprah not judged by Naomi or the narrator. But we have Ruth clinging to her. Two different women, the same mother-in-law, the same crisis, different choices. And we know that decisions determines destinies. You know, in this part we read in chapter, verse 7 through 14, we see this dialogue, this back and forth between Naomi and her daughter-in-laws. And, and literally, it's to a point where, you know, she, she's grieving and she's hurt. And, and at the same time, she looks at these women who are now following her, returning with her to her land. Because at one time, Naomi was full. She had a husband and two sons. And she was an insider. And this insider was in the land of bread, but it had no bread. So this full woman became an outsider to have food. And as an outsider, she lost everything. And she became empty. And now she was returning. She had nothing. She had no hope, no future. But she was turning back. And she looked at these two young women. And she says, why are you going to come with me? You go back to your people, your ways, your gods, your mother's house. Two different women. Same mother-in-law, same crisis, different choices. So pick it up in verse 15. The story continues. And she said, see, your daughter-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death departs me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. You know, one of the themes you see here in, 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 in uh, Ruth is this theme of return. Ten times return. The Hebrew, it's a verb, and it's, and it's spelled sub, S-U-B. There's a couple of accent points and things like that. So for the sake of, I never took in Hebrew, and I really don't know English very well, I'll just say sub. And it means to return. And so what's happening is that Naomi is telling Ruth her daughter-in-laws, you know what, I'm returning to my people. I'm returning to the land of Judah. Each of you should return to your household. Turn back. Return to your people. Turn back, my daughters. I'm suffering. I have nothing to give you. I'm grateful for your love. I'm grateful for your support. But return. Look at your sister. She's returning. But Ruth says... Do not urge me to leave you or re return from following you. 
And so you have to ask yourself, and I did, why did the writer of Ruth have return in there so much? I'm all alone. Return. I've been doing things my way. Return. I'm separated from my God. Return. I have no hope. Return. Things are bad. Return. Over and over and over, you see God telling Naomi, return. Return to me. You know, I think about my life, the things that I've been involved with, the stupid things I've thought, the stupid things I do. Return. Come back. My way, not your way. Older I get, the more I realize, ah, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. Ah. I wish I would have returned years ago. And that's a huge, huge, huge theme in the book of Ruth, return. So you got to ask yourself, what do I got to return in? What's going on in my life right now? Am I struggling with my purity? Am I struggling with greed? Am I struggling with lying? Am I struggling with being apathetic? Am I wondering? Am I faithless? Am I prideful? Rebellious? Am, is my heart hardened? Return. Return. Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. The writer continues. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Myra. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me. And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. You know, you sit there and you read that and, you know, we know the name of Naomi is pleasant, fair. But she comes back, Myra, bitter. She left full. But she came back to Bethlehem empty. And you know who brought this on me? God. God did all this. God did this to me. I'm overweight because of God. My head is big because of God. I drive this. I live here. I, God. My wife has lupus. My sons are woo, all over the place. God. <laughs> they just keep on going. God. You know, and 
You know, here's the thing about it is God didn't didn't defend himself. You look at Job, you look at Jeremiah, you look at some of the Old Testament, you see these dialogues and this bitterness in the Psalms. And she just flat lays this on God's doorstep. And God's a big boy, he can take it. He doesn't rebuke her, he doesn't challenge her, doesn't come and answer her. Not in the cloud, he's not in the, the rain, the storm, he doesn't say anything. In verse 22, so, so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. You know, what's interesting here is that, is that when you look at the dialogue between Naomi and, and her daughter-in-laws, and then you see Naomi and talking to the women of the town, and, and, and you see this, and it's like it's almost like Ruth's not with her. There's no dialogue with Ruth after Ruth makes that decision. I'm clinging to you. I'm not leaving. She says these eloquent words, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. I will be with you always. And you look at this, this overflowing emotions. Oh, you're not leaving too? Okay. Because she's bitter. She's angry. She's resentful. And then she talks to the women, and, and there's, no, there's no, oh, hey, and this is my daughter-in-law, the Moabite. Nothing. But see, then God turns up. And what does God do? See, they came to Bethlehem. See, they left Bethlehem, the house of bread, because there was no bread. And then what happened is that when, when Naomi was out in the fields, and in the fields of Moab, she heard that the Lord had visited his people, and there's food. So Naomi starts coming back with Ruth, and it says they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The empty house of bread is now being restocked. God didn't say anything. God didn't appear to him. It just said the house is being restocked. So then now you have a ray of hope. The crisis was occurring. The crisis was still going on. But now, yeah, you see this ray of hope, this ray. And you don't see it at first. You don't understand what it is at first. But the story continues into chapter 2. And this is going to be a little bit of a longer reading. We're going to read the whole chapter. And it says, Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Emelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to her mother, Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, good idea. Hey, why don't you go glean? Yeah, go, my daughter. So she sent out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was in the clan of Emelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. 
Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back from Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go glean another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping and go after them. For I have not, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink with the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I find favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward will be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoke kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here. And eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field till evening. And then she beat what she had gleaned, and it was about an uh, ephod of barley and she took it, it's about a week's worth of food and she took it and went to the city her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after she had worked after being satisfied and her mother-in-law said to her where do you glean today and where have you worked blessed be the man who took notice of you so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said the man's name with whom I work today, is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi said also to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with these young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley har and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Boaz. What a boss. And what a guy. Imagine showing up to work. The Lord be with you. Oh, and the Lord be with you also. And you see from the very first time this guy opens up his mouth until the last words you see in chapter 4 that his tone excludes or ex excludes compassion, grace, generosity, 
I mean, I like being around men that are edgy and kind of, you know, kind of like on the wild side a little bit. But at the same time, at the end of the day, compassionate, graceful, generous. Many think about other people and their needs. And you see that in this man who speaks to this foreigner, this Moabite woman, field worker, you see this biblical concept called hesed become flesh and blood. And see, this is the second theme you see in the book of Ruth. Hesed. H-E-S-E-D. And it's really hard to talk about what hesed is. Because one word doesn't denote it. One word doesn't translate it in the English. And what it is, it's a covenant term. It's a relationship term. It's a you and I, we have an agreement term. And it wraps itself up in all the positive attributes of God. Love. Covenant faithfulness. Mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. In short, it refers to acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. Divine acts of hesed literally bring the opposite of pain and grief. And you see in these women that have been experiencing pain and grief for over a decade, you start seeing this, this, this term hesed start coming into their lives. You see it first in Naomi. And Naomi's um, engagement with her daughter-in-laws. She goes, you're both. You're beautiful young women who have loved me and you've loved my sons and you're incredible and I want you to go. I want you to have kids. I want you to have a full life and you've looked out for me. Now go, return. She's hesitating. Her daughter-in-laws. And then you see it in Ruth's response to, to her mother-in-law. She clings to her. I'm not going to leave you. I love you. I care for you. I'm going to leave my world. I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to cling to your God, your people. And then you see it in Boaz. Oh, I've heard about you. I've heard what you've done. And he speaks kindly to her. And then he offers Ruth his protection and his resources. And she's a foreigner of the Moabite clan. And she's shocked. Why do you do this for me? Oh, but, see, then God shows up again. And you see God show up. Like, for instance, in verse 3. So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field of the reapers. And she happened 
to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz of the clan of Emelite. Emelik. And a little bit later in verse 4, oh, oh, and behold, just at the nick of time, guess who showed up at his field? Boaz. And guess what Boaz does? Peace be with you. Who's that young woman? I don't recognize her. She's not one of us. That's Ruth. That's the one I've been told about. And then she goes home, and she talks to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law starts, what happened to you today? Why all this food? Who did you go work with today? Why do you have this? Who's done this? Boaz, are you kidding me? He's one of our two redeemers. And then she also, that I picked up when I was just reading this, when Naomi said, may the Lord be blessed whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And this is a woman who lost everything, has nothing, but a foreigner as a daughter-in-law who brought home some food, and she starts seeing this glimmer of light, this ray of hope, and she goes, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. That's part one. <laughs> you have to come next week for part two. <laughs> so you see this story of Naomi. Crisis. Hope. You know, I joke. It's like, you know, I, I look at the young people and say, ah, okay, you know what? You're, what is your crisis? You get a C, a D. It will come. It will come. And your faith is going to be tested. And the older we get, if we're humble, we'll understand the crises that we go through. And we won't harden our hearts. But may blessed be he. Blessed be he. I just love that part. Blessed is he whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. There's another theme that we're going to hit next week. And, and that's, that's a huge one, and that's relationships. But now we're going to go to Jesus, and we're going to pray. And I pray that we'll consider Ruth, and we'll take time this week, and we'll read the rest of Ruth. It's only four chapters. We'll take time to read it and understand that decisions determine destinies. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, our God, we come to you now this time humbled and grateful. God, thank you for stories like Ruth. That we can, we can understand how you work. Father, that you want us to return to you. That, Father, that you want us to 
have loving kindness to those who are around us. God, please help us to grow in our maturity. Help us to grow in our insight. Father, help us to follow your son in such a way that glorifies you these days that you give us on this earth. We love you. We're humbled. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.